0: Well, oh, boys, looks like we started the fun without me. Right. You're all sick. Every last one of
1: you. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger gun.
0: What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? Give me one
1: goddamn why should blow your goddamn brains all over that goddamn wall.
0: My name is Eric, and I am here with double waxed Michael Kester. That's
1: right, I'm waxed and I'm waxed again, which is actually anybody who's been following along at home, uh, this is actually a triple waxed situation, but we are only covering uh, two. We're covering House of Wax, what is it, 58?
0: 53.
1: House of Wax 53 and House of Wax 2008. Five. (laughs) Paris Hilton. We didn't figure it out. It's been a whole week.
0: It's House of Wax 1953. And House of Wax 2005, which is what I meant to go. say last time. Obviously, it's not 2015 <laughs> because it wouldn't have been as punishing. You needed to pick the House of Wax for my least favorite era of horror. Right. And maybe the House of Wax for my second least favorite era of horror. <laughs> but here we are. We're doing something borrowed today, and this is this is appropriate... Um,
1: so part of the contention when we were talking about doing something borrowed, when we talked about, and you came up with the idea of doing a film in its remake.
0: I love this problem, by the way. So explain this, do a good job of explaining this. Not like usual where no one knows what you're talking about. Like, do a nice, <laughs> I want to be able to follow this problem. So I had this issue
1: where I wanted to do, we want to do a pair called something, you know, that thematically was something borrowed. However, the nature of doing a film and its remake is only 50%
0: borrowed. We're going to do the bad seed. Right. We were going to do the bad seed, but my concern... So you do the new one and you do the original one, something borrowed. But the original is original. That's right. So The it's... original is original. So you as a purist were going, well, we could do an original and its remake, but technically that's only 50% borrowed. Exactly. An original and its remake. So you're here to tell us that even though there's only two houses, ha- House of Waxes, houses of yeah, houses wax. That <laughs> I don't believe I got there. Even though there's only two movies called House of Wax, they're somehow both remakes.
1: I wouldn't say remakes, but I would say they're both borrowed.
0: Oh yeah, well that's definitely true.
1: So the uh, the 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 House of Wax 1953 is the only one in question and just to make sure that we're all on the same page here it's of course based on a book as all things are but it was uh they wanted to do a 3D movie because of the success of another movie so they took a movie called uh Mystery of the Wax Museum from 1933 and used this 3D technology from another movie and made house of wax out of it so it's sort of a remake but it's also a ripoff of this technology that was successful at the time so that's a double borrow wow plus mystery of the wax museum is based on a play called the waxworks so if you wanted something fucking borrowed motherfucker welcome to double feature patreon.com forward slash double feature that's what fires me up that's how i buy all this red bull and that's that's why we're here today (laughs)
0: This is really like you're trying to accumulate points for, uh, you realize no matter if you do a bad job or an, an excellent job doing the double feature, we still have to watch House of Wax 2005. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, but is <laughs> both funnier and more honest. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash double feature. Keep me from making blue apron jokes next week on the Something Blue episode. It's <laughs> patreon.com forward slash double feature. Yeah, we use this obviously to fund the show, keep the show going, and it's where you can join up and be part of the show. We're still taking all of the listener suggestions from people on the Patreon. We're going to finish our October marathon here, and I feel like you have uh, you've pitched a pretty good idea for a show that I think we're kind of going to have to wrap all these out with or revisit later. But we, we might not be done with this next week. <laughs> we got one more of these next week to really celebrate October this year. And I feel like there might be one after that because the idea is too good. <laughs> but I want to let everybody know we are definitely still taking the suggestions on the Patreon. So, yeah, uh, come on and, and not just help fund the show and keep the show going, but really guide the programming because there's one thing we haven't done yet this year. And that's dig into the listener suggestions. And that always ends up being a huge part of what, uh, let's say what course corrects the year of double feature. Mm Mm-hmm. As we start out very strong and then you and I just get so weird out of our own, yeah, uh, I don't know, boredom, lack of knowing what to do next, uh, last-minuteness.
1: It just comes from a series of, it's a series of trying to jump our own sharks. We just go, yeah, I guess right, we've, right. we did two
0: pairs last week. How do we do something different as if that's not what we do every week? Right. So uh, we need the listeners to, uh, we need you guys to guide us and really steer the ship here. Otherwise, we wind up with things like two House of Wax movies. Do you understand the internal pain this brought me to type the same I do. I know exactly why
1: it's hard for you. Yeah.
0: I don't know what I'm going to do with the website. The fucking Mm -hmm. home-baked technology isn't going to work. The cover, one of the covers is going to eat the other file.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's a big problem, man.
1: I know you're really frustrated, but to be fair, this was your suggestion,
0: and so... Oh, uh, say what you really mean. I know you're frustrated, but to be honest, it's not my fucking problem. So good luck, Eric. Well, no, that's it's, it's,
1: it's it, sadly, it's not my problem either way, but I don't feel guilty. And that's oh, what's well, that's, really important. That's
0: good. Yeah, that is the most important part <laughs> of double featuring <laughs> is that the one doing the programming does not feel guilty. That's good. Right. All right, let's start in 1953 with, hey, something that we usually do, a log line.
1: Yeah, so this is a movie um starring our friend Vincent Price and it's it's about a it's about a waxman, a man who creates wax wax figures. Is that
0: really what it's called a waxman? That can't <laughs> be. A,
1: that's what we're calling it all day. It's about a man who creates incredibly realistic wax figures and due to an insurance fraud
0: scheme is <laughs> What is this film noir? What are we doing his, here?
1: His life and livelihood is incinerated to ash and melted wax. And then another waxman who looks similar to the previous waxman. Oh wow, who could it be? Shows up in town. <laughs> yeah. Shows up in town and starts making a different set of sculptures. But people are also going missing.
0: I had a theory that it might be the same guy, but then I saw this guy has a hat. yeah, so it's a guy. Couldn't, couldn't possibly be No
1: I mean the main I'll tell you the main difference that the movie the movie wants you to believe that it couldn't possibly be the same guy because the previous guy was obsessed with like pretty historical figures, and this guy's obsessed with death. and so the first guy who definitely died and was murdered was not obsessed with death, and this second guy is obsessed with death, and there's nothing in between that could have changed that person's character arc, so it has to be a different person. It definitely wasn't a guy whose mental state was bent by being murdered and now is obsessed with death. That would be preposterous.
0: There's a couple scenes in this movie that are pretty good, but I have to say that very few movies have ever read this way to such a degree with me where yeah you watch the movie you get your sense of what the movie is you enjoyed it you didn't enjoy it you whatever it's a movie you know you have your movie experience uh,
1: did you note that they used the exact same mold from um bucket of blood for that one guy's head no i did I
0: didn't, the, but there, it's, was, there the was the exact same bucket mold of blood. yeah yeah so this movie more than uh most that i can think of it really dawns on me later how clever different parts of it are yeah or how much i appreciate the sort of um i don't know layers might not be what i'm looking for but like the idea that the
1: the different coats of the the scenes yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) well like you were saying right away with vincent price's character i love this you know they hand you the theme pretty heavy but they don't uh it's not like they're invoking it every second i just feel like it's very direct and they give it to you He's a craftsman, and he doesn't care for this whole macabre, spook show. Like, this is very Vincent Price anyways, this sort of, like, generation of actor who's a proper theater actor, doesn't want to get, Mm -hmm. you know, down in the mud with all these horror movies, these cheap thrills. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole meta thing going on with this generation of actor and a lot of filmmakers from back then. Bear in mind, this is before, you know now out the other side, we all have Alfred Hitchcock. We talked about this on Baby Jane. You know, we have like, Mm -hmm. and especially now we live in an era where horror can be just as, fuck, man, I mean, even just listen to our last episode talking about like the A24 branding of horror. Yep, Right. sure. So horror can be extremely intellectual today. And a lot of people get that where it was not always uh, seen that way for the, horror's gotten a bad rap here and there, all right? It's October, let's acknowledge that. horror gotten a bad rap. Mm-hmm. So there is this story inside here about that. And so eventually he's hit with this event and now he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna give the people what they want. They want a spook show, I'll give them a spook show. It's so Scooby-Doo villain stuff, I love it. Mm-hmm. But the scene in here that kills me, if you haven't seen House of Wax from 53, watch it for this one scene, if for nothing else. There's a scene in the beginning of this movie, which I think is maybe the best pitch ever captured on film. So if you're kind of interested in this, uh, not even just a filmmaking or an artistic idea, but just in trying to explain something to somebody else and get them on board. So we got this snappy scene in the beginning. Very important to know that it's a quick, snappy scene. Vincent Price's character is a craftsman, and this is about craftsmanship. He is trying to get a new equity partner to buy out the share and continue his endeavor. And this guy comes in who could potentially be private equity for, you know, funding the Wax Museum. Let's simplify it. So he has to do this quick walkthrough of everything. And in that quick walkthrough, you know, he's basically showing somebody these individually built craftsman items. Mm Mm-hmm things that are delicately, you know, down to the molecule, the follicle of hair. There is a level of precision and it really would take hours to fully appreciate each one of these items. And he has to walk them through a lot. And in a couple minutes, he has to show somebody all these items and go, the thing about these items is look at all this amazing tiny detail and then get some money out of them at the end, position the problem, get some money. And what firstly I think is clever about just the way he walks them through, just this thing that we see documented in the film, is he's walking them through, and this is important for the audience too, he's walking them through and he's giving these guys an idea of how much time it takes him to make one of these, right? Mm -hmm. The kind of like the level of care that's required, and he'll mention a couple specific things he won't walk them through top to bottom every little fiber and detail. But, you know, they made a note about the hair. They made a note about, you know, making one over and over to try to get it right. And one of the guys even says, wow, it would take like several fucking hours to really take in all this detail and really appreciate this to its fullest. So the only thing that he has to, the information he needs to get across is exactly that. You're not going to sit here and look at one of these things for two hours But you wish you could and other people need to be able to come here and do this because much like a museum gallery, the public needs the ability to stare at this because of how deeply thought out, intricate craftsmanship, all of that. What's on display here? So he passes that information on to them and ergo the audience. So now you and I, Michael, watching this movie, dear listener, you watching the movie, we can't really be there with the wax sculpture. Well, we understand something about his character now, right? We understand, Mm -hmm. oh, this guy really cares about this. It's his life's work. He spent not just hours and hours and days and months and maybe years on these, but some of them he's remade like a million fucking times just to get it right, and he's still on the search. And so then we get all the way to the end. He gives a nice clean positioning of the problem. So my current partner, he wants out, and then he gives a straight hard ask. I need money to continue this. Can you be the person, can you give the, me the money? I don't remember exactly what he says, but it's, it's really a very pointed ask. It's like, can you give me the money to keep doing this? Mm-hmm. And I love that scene just as a representation, nothing to do with this movie, but more just it's 1950 and like, how is filmmaking working? Or how is individual entrepreneurship more broadly working? Not everything is McDonald's back then. Mm-hmm. There's far higher percentage of these like mom and pop endeavors, individual, well, like I said, entrepreneurs, right? People who've got an idea and there's still a bit of that Wild West, like I need to connect to money to get my idea made. And I think it's so fascinating. I've never seen this in a movie before. This sort of like time capsule of in the 1950s, how did you get a guy to go in with you on the money to put up your own wax museum? Right. But then it tells us, so what happens in the very next moment, the other guy comes out and he goes, wow, I'm never going to pry you from these fucking things, am I? I really need that money now. Light everything on fire. Yep. And I feel in that moment like, oh, fuck. I've sat there with him for years making these wax sculptures. Right. Even though I haven't. I didn't know this guy five fucking minutes ago. But because of the way he pitched that to them and pitched it then to the audience, I feel like we pick up all of this great information about his character, about what these sculptures mean, and all of the motivation for everything that's going to come later in the movie. When it burns down, it feels like third act stuff, not first act stuff.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's definitely a testament to the actor because Vincent Vincent Price could. I would buy anything from him. Have you seen some of the commercials that he did in the like sixties? I'd (laughs) I'd buy all that breakfast cereal, like what whatever he says. I want, I want flapjacks, Vincent Price flapjacks. Please put them in my cart. It's so funny to think about. You know, we we mentioned the log line, right? It's like okay, and now vengeance takes place on the people that (laughs)
0: that's that's all you need and ah vengeance
1: but it's funny because like you know you it's so hard you know you it's so hard to get there from here it's so hard to be like dude they're fucking we're all we're all his business partner Mm -hmm. when the movie starts we're like they're Mm -hmm. fucking wax sculptures dude fucking take the 25 g's you know yeah and then it all happens we're like well yeah of course he's gonna murder the town I would. It's almost
0: too good, right? Because I yeah. I feel like I watch this movie every time this happens. I see the movie and I'm like, yeah, Vincent Price, you fucking get him. How did the the world doesn't understand what an artist you are? It's
1: so hard to think of him as a villain for the rest of the movie because you're so sympathetic and he, he portrays the work so delicately. Yeah. However, I'll tell you, the closest I get to it, I man, we've been doing horror movies on double feature for fourteen fucking years. And, you know, a bunch of them just this month. And I've seen probably three times as many as we've done on the show. And it takes a lot for me to get scared. And it takes literally an an immovable amount of things for me to get scared at a movie from like more from before 1992. Uh Like anything before 1992 just can't scare me on principle. If it's before The Exorcist 3, it can't scare me. And yet when she like punches him and his face falls off, I legitimately <laughs> let out a noise in this
0: movie. Oh my God.
1: I legitimately like, oh shit. <laughs> it, it's, it, it took me, it, I was taken aback. Well, and was, it
0: just kind of like crumbles, you know, it's just yeah. sort of like falls off him. Yeah.
1: But that's the moment for me where everything you just talked about in that opening scene, where that crumbles with it. Where I go, this guy's a terrifying monster. He's killing everybody in the town. He needs to go and take Charles Bronson with him.
0: All right, can we talk about the 3D element of this film? I feel like that's important. (laughs) Is there like two scenes? It's like a yo-yo. The ping pong ball is going straight towards my eye, it's telling me. Well, somebody (laughs) has to talk about the 3D element of this movie because uh, they didn't shoot an entire fucking movie out of focus Just to have no one mention (laughs) them breaking their backs on the 3D. I don't really know what about shooting the 3D at the time. Presumably, that's why the entire goddamn movie's out of focus. I've never seen a movie like this before. This is another one, uh, like we were talking about with the Technicolor movies, like watch them in the worst resolution possible. Mm -hmm. Highest color, worst resolution. So, you know, it's done in 3D and many features of... um, cinema are originated as gimmicks i feel like this has been a sub thread this year we've been talking i mean when we talked about technicolor like that originated as a a sort of gimmicky way to one-up other movies and eventually tv and so on and so forth we've done that show but i mean a lot of um it's not just color you know like a lot of the things we associate with modern cinema are the gimmicks that just lasted better than 3d I feel like poor 3D gets a bad name. I mean, from us, even you know, I'm 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 not going to pretend I don't. But because it was one of the gimmicks that didn't last, mm-hmm. and people try to bring it back, and as of yet, it has never stuck. But you know, like surround sound was a gimmick, and now that's just a standard. Sure, fucking widescreen man was a a gimmick, mm-hmm. and now that's just oh, that's how cinema is. So we see a lot of these ev- evolutions of the form that did stick. Yeah.
1: I do want to go on the record, as we're doing a movie from 2005 today too, and say that you, you may not even remember this, but you, at the time that 3D was trying to come back again, you were like firmly on the, this is bullshit, this will never last train. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um... And you are absolutely right. I mean, 3D movies do come out now, but even like, even the cinematic people who are like making real movies, like, and by, by cinematic people, I'm not talking about your Wes's Anderson and such, you know, the people like that. But like James Gunn is a perfect example of this. Mm -hmm. James Gunn didn't do Suicide Squad in 3D. He did it in IMAX. He's like, why do you need, well, you got two dimensions, and we'll just add to the dimensions. Which let's, speaking back to your other gimmick, IMAX is just what if full screen was bigger?
0: Yeah,
1: right. It's like, what if widescreen didn't have the bars? I like how people
0: keep (laughs) pretending like we add too much picture on the left and right-hand side and they're like, ah, but now none of it's on the top and bottom. We put some up there. They're like, (laughs) yeah, but now there's none on the left and right. We add some more there. They're like, what if it was even more on the top? It's like, (laughs) at some point, you're just taking 10 steps back and looking at the same fucking picture, guys. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> um, but you know, we've also a, um, also poor one out for, uh, who is that? I think poor Peter Jackson, who is like 48 frames a second. That's going to stick. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. released one movie and people, I think, um, if I remember right, audiences at Sundance threw up in their seats Oh yeah, and that's people gonna right. be carried out in body bags. I think that's, that's true. The, yeah. That's There's it.
1: that one woman, that one woman who died,
0: but she had a pre-existing condition. Or am I thinking of paranormal activity? Or maybe I'm thinking of hereditary, or maybe I'm thinking of every year. The Blair at, Witch. It at, was at Blair every, Witch. Yeah. Okay. So I'm making a joke nobody gets, but uh, no, people did literally leave. I believe all of their eyes were bleeding. That was the literal mm-hmm. truth of the story. Right. Don't quote me on that. So 48 frames a second, thankfully we didn't go there. But I mean, I think there's something about 3D that's always just been so tasteless. And I love that House of Wax kind of seems to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Like Vincent Price's character, in addition to the horror is beneath me, part of this character... There's also a kind of like, ah, oh, that ping pong ball guy at the outside, they made me put that here. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I can only do so much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just really, really funny to me that they're like, yeah, 3D, that's a fucking thing they're making us do as well. Can you believe this? Do you have, um, before we move on, just selfishly, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be a bad host because I want to know the answer for you. Do you have a favorite filmmaking historical gimmick? Oh, I mean, 100%. Well, are
1: you talking about one that was picked up or can I just gesture widely no, at William I mean, Castle? anything,
0: anything. Oh, the William Castle stuff?
1: Yeah, probably like the fucking, the, the shock seats. Yeah. Um, what was that called? Rum- the rumble seats or thunder seats or whatever? But my favorite thing about the William Castle thunder seats, number two, a vision uh, Number one, rumble seats. Um And my favorite thing about the rumble seats is that they were too expensive to do theater wide. So they only happened in a few seats. So only some people felt it, which the reason I like that from like a uh, film business perspective is it does force you to go back a second time and try and find a rumble seat once you know that there are rumble seats.
0: Yeah, I really, yeah, probably thinking about that because of Vincent Price again, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I love when these movies, they sort of, they're hammy about, like, The Tingler is a movie. The Tingler. The Tingler, yeah. (laughs) The point of The Tingler is that you have a rumble seat. That's the, that's Mm -hmm. part of the premise of the movie is like, great, now that we're all in a rumble seat, a reality that was never true, let alone is true today. But yeah, I love the, uh, I love the gimmicks that are kind of like baked. We even see it a little bit in this movie, like this movie has an intermission which I believe is a technical kind of setback, Mm -hmm. or uh, uh, what am I looking for, that they needed to have an intermission because something about the 3D projection required them to like take a break in the middle to switch it all around, Mm -hmm. which is super funny that it's still like a kind of hard cut in the movie. Because you chose one that is outdated, I feel like I can't just say like widescreen and phone it in, but... uh, you know what my favorite actually here's a here's one I didn't even think about. Choose your own adventure. Oh this yeah. Sort of uh, when we talked about Bandersnatch. Hmm. You know what I love about that one is some of this works against what I like about filmmaking. Like 3D doesn't really, as of yet. I've never really seen it enhance a movie. It's always like, oh, this fucking thing. Maybe we can find a way to artfully weave it in, but the. Choose Your Own Adventure was always like you get more movie, you know. Yeah, it was. It encourages rewatchability, mm-hmm. and it gives you more endings. So we both like ones that encourage re rewatching. It's definitely
1: that's a big factor. We Michael
0: want... buys another ticket to see if he gets a, a World War II mine in his seat. Yeah, you know? if,
1: if if it's a feature that causes people to spend
0: more time watching a movie, it's the one I like. If it's one that causes headaches, I don't like that one. Well, you could take that 48 frames a second, slow it down to half speed. You have twice as much movie.
1: That's true. Even That's
0: a 17-hour like, movie from Peter Jackson. Yeah. I bet half that fucking movie's in slow motion anyways. All right. House of Wax, 2000, um, 2005. Excuse me. What am I talking about? 2005, House of Wax.
1: Hilarious because the, the theme today is something borrowed and... Literally, the only thing borrowed is the name House of Wax. <laughs> um,
0: and I guess the fact that there are uh, wax people with people underneath. You get a little melting. Yeah. You know, things that work sure. in both of the, these movies' favors is uh, as a concept. And I mean, I, th- I mean this sincerely for even the remake for the 2005. They make a bet that, hey, you know what's going to be scary? is melting wax people. That's scary. Yeah. It's going to be horrifying. You know, wax sculptures are already scary, already kind of creepy. You melt their faces. That's fucking scary. Yeah. And it works so well in the last movie. This movie's got melting people's faces. It fucking works. It's scary. The eyeball is going out. So right at the conceit, bravo
1: yeah well so this movie man so i saw this like everyone in our generation i'm not certain that there is a more ubiquitously (laughs) theatrically viewed film in our generation's history than house of wax i have yet to meet a person (laughs) within two years of me up or down that did not see this in the theater
0: michael me Okay, well, you're an idiot. Um, I <laughs> when you when I'm like Michael, I hate 2000s era horror movies. Yeah, in my head, a picture the infamous House of Wax poster pops up. Yeah, I'm like, I dodged that bullet, and you'll never make me watch it. And here we are. So
1: I got I got a few things to say about that. But one, <laughs> I can tell you that in 2005, in the height of Paris Hilton's fame, I watched this movie and went, "This is dumb as." F- fuck and uh walked out and made fun of it at ihop with all my friends um you probably met up with me after the fact
0: and uh, i was like oh fuck are people talking about 2005's house of (laughs) wax um but
1: so so that's one thing i have to say another thing i have to say is i just rewatched it for double feature don't know if you're aware uh, and I think it's amazing and I regret my original opinion. However, I think my original opinion was correct and time has <laughs> altered the film.
0: You mean time's healed all wounds. I, and then my
1: third thing that I want to say just to, just to, you know, fire you up, put you in your place, whatever. Uh, people in the eighties thought that slasher movies were cheap garbage and, you and I were born after the fact and went, these are actually great. And people who didn't like them at the time were just out of touch with what was I, going on. Okay. And in hindsight, right. hold on in hindsight, there was actually something to this is my point. I'm not saying that you're wrong about this movie. I am saying that I guess actually I'm agreeing with you in a way because the fact that you can blanket dislike this era of horror is actually a testament to the fact that this was a movement and not just a rash of cinema.
0: Oh, totally. Mm.
1: This is a movement. And I think that again, much to your credit, I can't think we've taught every time we watch one of these on the show, we kind of go, this is the definitive one, but 2005's house of wax with, uh, you know, Jared Padalecki and, and that other guy, the blonde guy, and Paris Hilton for no reason, her only acting role at this time, really. Um, and then like a bunch of like really poorly aged, like retard and gay jokes. Oh yeah. And then of course, you know, blah, 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 the fucking new metal soundtracks gotta be in there. Um, but here's the thing, here's the thing of, of all of this, and and I, I just just put flags in all that so you can come back to whichever one you want. But the thing that I want to talk about <laughs> is how fucking mean this movie is this movie does not care that its audience it it's sort of like you know we talk about how it's fun uh, to make your audience squeamish, we talked about the Tingler. It's a perfect example. It's all in good fun. There's no Tingler loose in the theater. This movie's not about that. This movie wants you to be miserable. It goes, what's going to make people uncomfortable? How do we make people throw up and leave the theater? What if we cut a tendon? What if we fucking peel people's skin off? Oh, yeah. What if it's not a good time and it's just it's just hard and 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 brutal and it's I mean it is the cinematic equivalent. Of a Static X song,
0: no disagreement uh, for me there. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, I think we talked about this recently with Would You Rather. That was a, this yeah. kind of just extra mean era. Although that was later in the game, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Would You Rather might be like ten years later or something. I don't remember. Just the sort of like unnecessary how mean they were and also the the kind of uh there was a whole decade of just ending the movie i don't want to spoil which movie it was but very recently we talked about a fuck you ending movie mm-hmm. and that was something when when you and i first started watching horror movies you know really heavy in this era we would talk about these downer endings and how the the kind of like miserable ending was the way to go that was what we really enjoyed and then it just became like every horror movie has to have that and you know I think the one in and this is really funny because it's sort of like a twist that I'm not really sure holds a lot of weight it's like oh there's there was a third brother and it's that guy you saw it's just sort of like so (laughs) what what is what impact does that have But I think there's a lot of the inspiration we see in this is a lot less borrowing original House of Wax and even borrowing... well, I don't, you tell me what you think about this, but I see like a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of the like Saw's family sort of sure misunderstood brother, all of that. And I don't know if that's Texas Chainsaw or like Michael Bay's Texas Chainsaw. I,
1: I'll tell you. So I, I think I know what you're saying, but it's because you're stuck in this era again. Because while you're saying Texas Chainsaw, I think you're actually describing the Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, and those remakes were going around at the time. Yep. And so, you know, maybe it wasn't exactly those remakes inspiring this movie, but I think, you know, if if we zoom out a little bit and just sort of consider what was going on at the moment that we were making all of these movies like this, I don't have... Uh, this wasn't something I was really planning on talking about and I don't have a great answer for what that was. Mm -hmm. But something was happening at the time where there was sort of all of this like, you know, fear the South. That was a big theme we were seeing on a lot of these. I
1: think that is part of it, but I think what's going on and I think this movie hits it really well is there's this sort of rash of like, kids these days are too unruly and disrespectful. What happens when they mess with the wrong people?
0: Yeah, well, it also reminds me of like that um, that Woodstock documentary that came out this year, and the sort of consideration of like why was everybody so pissed at this time? <laughs> you know, which it didn't really. Um, if if you've uh, seen it or not, I mean, it it doesn't really answer the why of that, but it also goes, yeah, weird that everybody was just so <laughs> angry during this period. Yeah, that kind of like yeah, limp was was uh, sure or you know you look at the the soundtrack for this movie i mean that's new metal right it's yeah. very
1: and it'd be easy to write that off you know one of the one of the benchmarks historically that happens around the same time as this is 911 mm-hmm. but i i don't think that i think that at best it's correlation there is no causation because you know fucking Limp biscuit came out in
0: 99. That and, stuff was already in the water. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so
1: it, the hot dog flavored
0: water. And <laughs> um, God, I, as I said that, I'm like, you could make a hot dog flavored water joke, but Michael won't get it. Michael won't. <laughs> no, but you know, I was listening to Corn before 9 11 happened. Right before was cool. I mean to say I was listening to Corn on nine eleven and so <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I mean like, you know, in bands like that and an Orgy and mm-hmm. sort of that elementary record this isn't important, but like all this stuff you saw on all of these Warner Brothers mm-hmm. soundtrack. Um sure. All of the Valentine Marilyn Manson soundtrack movies. Yeah. These sort of like opens on Paris Hilton eating fries to the third worst Deftone song. Like, mm-hmm. that was a mood. That was a whole time... 100%. In, yeah. in horror movies. And I don't think it was purely 9-11. Everything in the era kind of gets attributed to that. But I, having lived through that time, I felt the bubbling up of angsty sure. teenage years of these soundtracks and these movies.
1: I don't actually feel like a movie like House of Wax 05 is telling the story of that angst as much as it's stoking the fire of that angst oh yeah i really do not believe i well no i mean i mean mocking i think making it worse because Mm -hmm. you well not you me and everybody else me and everyone you know went and saw this movie and we all mocked it because we weren't our entire existence wasn't you know, disrespecting authority, getting blowjobs from Paris Hilton, making gay jokes—like we actually. The thing about this movie, probably very similar to a lot of the a lot of the ire for slasher movies, is that your survivor group fucking sucks, and you don't identify with them. Yeah, yeah. and they're all the people that you they're they're that we talked about this. Um, you know, we talked about the the outsiderness when we did Hunchback. Mm. This is a double double reference to the something old show because they're actually watching whatever happened to Baby Jane in this movie too, which was just this beautiful moment for me.
0: How many episodes a year can you listen to? I've written a letter to Daddy. I mean, there must be a cap. <laughs> do we? I thought the we'll cap see. was one, but do we get yeah. a pass because the movie is also in this? Um,
1: it's there's this like outsiderness that the movie seems to represent, but then it only shows the people that you and I would have been like. Those are the people that those are the those are the normal people. Those yeah, are, yeah, yeah. you know, where where are the outsiders and they're them. And then the movie just stars the popular kids. Basically, this is not the crowd. Yeah,
0: someone else is the weirdos, Mister.
1: And so like you watch them die, and you're like, yeah, fuck these people. And maybe that's really sort of like the score of why this feels so mean is like, I don't like anybody in this movie and I want them all to lose.
0: Well, yeah. And that's a weird thing too. I mean, I feel like the casting even was, uh, was trying to program people to put this kind of phrase in mind. The number. Okay. So here's what reads weird about this movie to me today is today, I feel like it's an exploitation movie that does not deliver the promise as all our good exploitation movies do. Mm -hmm. It teases like we're going to get an epic set piece of Paris Hilton and wax. And so she's going to have some big, amazing, career-defining scene in this. And, you know, you and I were watching movies like Repo and, you know, we've talked about the Paris Hilton smashing pumpkins thing and kind of going like... There's something counter, counter, counterculture to her that's kind of uh-huh. cool and weird. But that time was also very much, like there was so much hatred around it. You know, you watch it today and you go, oh, damn, bummer there's not more Paris Hilton. Bummer right. she's not the final girl. Bummer that, but back then, I mean, the sentiment I heard over and over with this movie was like, yeah, I'm going to this movie because I want to watch, watch Paris, Paris Hilton, Hilton die. die. Exactly. <laughs> Which just seems so like unnecessarily cruel and like what a weird fucking thing. Yeah. I would look at people like that today and be like, wow, psychopaths, all of these people.
1: Yeah. You know, right. like
0: <laughs> send, send a counselor to their house. hmm But Back then, that was that was. I feel like that was part of the marketing of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was like we can cast Paris Hilton. People hate her. They'd love to see her die in a horror movie. And to me today, the uh, the idea that that your your primary marketing group would be people hate watching a film, a feature film. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, that happens in plenty of other places, but. A feature, I don't know. It just uh, reads is very strange to me.
1: It's funny too because it feels sort of cyclical to the first movie, right? Like the first movie is like, ah, yes, the craft of making these wax and uh-huh, oh, you're, and uh-huh. then it's taken away, and now I just I'm gonna <laughs> fucking hate fuck you with my wax sculptures, <laughs> right? And then this movie's and then it's like this movie like tuned in. 25 minutes into Masterpiece Theater and was like, oh, yeah, it's like a movie about hate fucking. Yeah, let's do a hate fucking movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, the weird read of like, oh, my God, Paris Hilton's going to be in her underwear and die. Yeah. And like that Venn diagram is just a fucking circle for the angsty teenage boy Yeah, that these movies were made for is truly strange. But it's got a Joy Division song, so that's good. I was gonna say the final layer of
1: borrowing is essentially stealing the counterculture that it's exploiting. Uh that's the
0: last layer of borrowing. Is it actually Oh man, that one's good.
1: Yeah. So we've got uh we've got an extra bit of borrowing. I feel like this is like honestly, I couldn't think of two more borrowed movies. Except for, you know, some like mockbuster bullshit, but that's for the journey.
0: Well, if this if this uh October run of shows keeps panning out this way, we're going to find that every single one of these themes applies to every other week of the fucking show or they're just (laughs) stacking more and more. So we'll see how that goes next time. All right, website, get us out of here. We do have a website, the normal ones,
1: doublefeature.fm, but the one that will keep us alive, the defibrillator to our podcast is patreon.com forward slash doublefeature. If you kick some money in there, we'll send you a piece of our skin, just like this movie.
0: Oh, also, quick kudos to the movie for literally being about a house made of wax. I didn't. I oh my god! How do we fucking leave that on the
1: man? That tableau, that the fucking melting house tableau, shit, dude. That's that's mm, chef's kiss on that shit.
0: Oh yeah, right. That's that's reason enough for Gross the
1: and great and terrifying. And what do you do? Oh my god!
0: Reason enough for the movie to exist. Just the the sort of like you know, you're trying to. Uh, it's funny how literal it is to me. Yes, right. Yeah. House of Wax. What's that about? Oh, these kids, they go into a house. Oh, what do they do there? They make wax sculptures. It's like a Madame Tussauds. No, no, no. It's a house made of wax. Yeah. Like, this, this, film, this film has no imagination. But Warner Brothers was like, we want you to make House of Wax. Oh, say no more. Got it. I, I totally understand <laughs> what you want. I will give you House of Wax.
1: Wait, let me clarify. Wax or whacks?
0: Both. It's it's fine. You you know, we understand each <laughs> other here. It's uh, noon on a Friday. We'd really like to call it. So, yeah, the end of this is really uh, why you're here. Just the kind of like melting house. You know, you're trying to climb the stairs, but your your foot mushes into them. You get up on the bed. It's like fucking butter. Oh, it's just so good. Anyway, sorry. That's not what we were doing. Patreon dot com <laughs> forward <laughs> slash double feature what are the movies next time on the show? Also, obviously, the producers are Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Brad Parker, and Jochen Vernon. Thanks, guys. And now I ask you what the movies are for next time on the show.
1: Uh, we're going to do Deep Rising and Dagon <laughs> is the, the way I'm going to pronounce that title this week. Some creepy wet movies. Watch more fucking film. Bye.